Welcome to Understanding the Bible with Pastor Stephen, episode number 33, Esprit de Corps. So this is something that I actually learned uh, originally in the Marine Corps. Uh, Esprit de Corps is a feeling of pride, fellowship, or common loyalty shared by members of a group. All right. So I'm going to explain, you know, what it means, what it meant to me in the Marine Corps, and then um, how that relates to Christians because of the fact that we're in a literal war albeit spiritual, but it is war, and how we need to use this esprit de corps in our daily lives to help fellow Christians. I'm not saying that uh, what I learned in the Marine Corps is equal to Christianity, but some of the things that I learned is relates to the courage, the honor, or the commitment to God and country that we could emulate as Christians— and, and actually become more committed to what we say we believe, as opposed to just having words. The Marine Corps was a, a brotherhood. It is a brotherhood. We are willing to die for each other, to help each other at any time. I, I still meet people, you know, who are 20, 30 years my senior, who when I find out they're in the Marines, I, I have an automatic brotherhood with them. Like you just, you smile and shake hands and, and you want to help them and learn about them and find out what they did back when they served. And the reason for that is that recognition that we fought for a common goal, made sacrifices for a common goal, a purpose that is higher than ourselves for God and country, for freedom and the United States of America. We were taught to protect each other at all costs to never surrender. If you die in battle, die falling forward into the enemy so that you spoil his aim so that your brother or sister Marine behind you can kill him. If captured, you never betray your brothers. You always try to escape. You never lose sight of that goal that you have, the, the fellowship that you have together in meeting those goals whether it be to take the next hill or to win the war or to just protect America, that was more important than your own life. And there are a few things that I wanted to share with you from the Marine Corps. It's from the Prisoner of War Code of Conduct that we were required to memorize. Just think of these things, the, the commitment, the honor, and the courage required to do these things um, if you are in a, a state of war, okay, if you're, a, if you're a soldier or a Marine. Just think about these words and what it meant to have this drilled into you to learn, to memorize, and to share with your fellow soldiers, okay? Uh, Article 1 of the Code of Conduct says that I am an American fighting in the forces which guard my country and our way of life. I am prepared to give my life in their defense. Article 2, I will never surrender of my own free will. If in command, I will never surrender the members of my command while they still have the means to resist. Article 3. If I am captured, I will continue to resist by all means available. I will make every effort to escape and aid others to escape. I will accept neither parole nor special favors from the enemy. Article 4. If I become a prisoner of war, I will keep faith with my fellow prisoners. I will give no information nor take part in any action which might be harmful to my comrades. If I am senior, I will take command. If not, I will obey the lawful orders of those appointed over me and will back them in every way. 
Article 5. When questioned, should I become a prisoner of war, I am required to give my name, rank, service number, and date of birth. I will evade answering further questions to the utmost of my ability. I will make no oral or written statements disloyal to my country and its allies or harmful to their cause. And this last one, Article 6. I will never forget that I am an American fighting for freedom, responsible for my actions, and dedicated to the principles which made my country free. I will trust in my God and the United States of America. This is what I was taught back in 2008, 2009, when I went through the Marine Corps Officer Candidate School. And this is what I memorized. And this is what we believed. Christians aren't that dedicated today. And we ought to be. And here's why. Because point number two here, it's not just, you know, stuff that I learned in the Marines. But Christians are in a literal war of good versus evil. There's lots of places in the Bible that talk about that war. But here's one in Daniel chapter 10, verse 12 through 14, that helps us understand that angels are literally fighting for their lives against demons around the world and maybe, you know, around the galaxy. I have no idea. But Daniel was crying out to God and asking for help day after day after day. No help came. And then one day an angel appeared to him, and Daniel writes about it here. He was scared when the angel showed up because of how fearsome this angel was. And he describes him, what he looked like, and how big he was, and stuff like that. Then he said unto me, Fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that thou didst set thine heart to understand and to chasten thyself before God, thy words were heard, and I am come for your words. God heard Daniel. For days, he prayed for something, and God sent this angel to help him. Verse 13, but the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days. But lo, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, and I remained there with the kings of Persia. Now I am come to make you understand what shall befall thy people in the latter days, for yet the vision is for many days. This angel was sent by God to answer the prayer of Daniel, but was stopped by the prince of the kingdom of Persia, which is another way of saying one of the principalities, the angels or the demons of this world, withstood him, fought him for 21 days until Michael the archangel showed up to help him. And together they fought and defeated them. Then in verse 14, he says, now I am come to tell you what God told me to tell you, to help you. We are in a literal war where lives are at stake and spiritual lives that we don't even comprehend the angels and the struggles that they are going through just to help us. Think about it. God sent him as a messenger. Angel angel literally means messenger to go talk to Daniel And on his way through enemy territory, he had to fight a battle for 21 days. He had to fight through those enemies to get to Daniel, to give him the message from God. Not only are angels fighting for us and for their own lives to accomplish God's purpose, but we are told to prepare to fight. Ephesians chapter 6, starting verse 11 says, Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. 
Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Stand, therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance, with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. There is so much packed into this, but number one, the idea of wrestling against powers and rulers of the darkness of this world, it's not about, oh, we're just praying, we're just, we're just having a little struggle here. That's a war. You, it's, it's not talking about wrestling, like, like a wrestling match between high school students. We're, we're talking here about a battle, not of flesh and blood, but a spiritual battle. And then he tells you how to fight it. And you need to have faith to be able to fight. And you need to know the word of God to fight with the sword of the spirit. But it's not just spiritual. There's a physical aspect to it as well. We are told to fight evil. Ephesians 5.11 says, And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. Reprove there means to confront or rebuke the works of darkness. How do you do that if you're not willing to physically fight? And that means to confront somebody, to confront evil. You must be willing to walk up to it, stand up against it, and speak the word of God with the sword of the spirit and know the Bible verses to say, because the Bible says that God says that his word will not return empty. When it goes out, it accomplishes the purpose that he wants it to accomplish. That is how we fight with the word of God. But you must physically in this world have the courage to stand up and speak God's word in the face of evil and to condemn it, to rebuke it and say, no, that's wrong. And here's why. And that leads to all sorts of fights, whether you lose your job or whether people ostracize you or whether people attack you because they know you're a Christian. There's lots of different ways in this physical world that you will end up fighting, but you have to understand it's because you're in a war. Psalm 94, 16 says, who will rise up for me against the evildoers or who will stand up for me against the workers of iniquity? We have an obligation as Christians to stand up and fight against evil. All right. And here's my point in all this. Once you realize that you have to understand that we are soldiers in God's army, your fellow Christian, male, female, child, doesn't matter. Your fellow Christian is a soldier. Now, if it's a young one, like a new Christian or a child, they're in training, of course, on how to fight or even what we are fighting with this spiritual warfare. But if you're in a real physical war, your training grounds, your bases where you train soldiers are fair game by the enemy, right? They can drop bombs. They can fly overhead and strafe. They can, they can send a contingent of infantry in to destroy your military bases, right? It doesn't matter if you're in training. You're fair game. You're in a war. So as soldiers, 
We've got to be vigilant and be willing to help each other out, especially when we are under attack. So think about in your daily lives, if you know a Christian who is sick, what should you do? Oh, I'll pray for you. Really? Is that good enough? I don't think so. James 5.14 says, Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise him up. And if he have committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. Confess your faults one to another and pray for one another that ye may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. It's not just prayer. It's willingness to confess your faults to each other and then willingness to forgive each other. It's the action of calling the elders of the church if you're one of the elders, going to him, anointing him with oil and praying and having faith that God will heal. What about just picking up a prescription for somebody that's sick? What about if they're sick, you just call them up and say, hey, do you want me to stop and get bread and milk? Do you need anything else? I'm at Walmart or whatever. Why not help each other? If we're in a battle and you let your brother fall, you're not really treating him like a soldier. You're not really treating him like he's on your side. You help each other. You never leave someone behind, right? What about just regular chores or, or if you're moving, helping unload a truck or, or unpack their or pack up their house? What about babysitting someone's kids? Whatever you're able to do, you should be willing. You should offer what you can as long as it doesn't hurt yourself and your family. You can't let people walk all over you. You have the right to say no. If you can't do something right, so there, there has to be a moderate moderation in everything that you do. You don't just expend your energies for everybody else, like a soldier in battle giving out all of his bullets to his buddies so that he has no bullets left to fight with. That's just stupid. You just you just killed yourself. Right. So moderation in all things. But one of the things that I learned in the military, of course, is after every battle or if there's a lull in battle and you're safe, you're hiding behind a tree or, or whatever, then you call out to the people around you who are fellow soldiers and you ask them, how are you doing on bullets? How are you doing on water? How are you doing on food? Do you need something? And guess what? If he's out of bullets, you throw him one of your magazines with 30 rounds in it. If he's out of water, you throw him a canteen. If he's out of food, you throw him a candy bar or a granola bar or whatever you have on you. You break it in half and you share it because you and he depend on each other to watch each other's back, to survive, to make it to the next battle, to take that hill, to win the war, right? And as a Christian, if you let somebody fail in any aspect, what, what about a marriage, how, how often do a husband and wife have problems because they never have time together because they got their kids? Why not babysit for an hour and be like, look, just get in your car and go for a drive or go for a walk around the neighborhood, sit down under a tree and just talk without having to worry about your kids. I'll watch them for you. I'm not saying you have to do that every night. I'm just saying if you see somebody needs something, a fellow Christian, we ought to help them. We need to be friends to each other. We need to build each other up. We need to provide for each other the things that they need to get by, whether it be emotionally, psychologically, financially, in any aspect. Be a friend to fellow Christians first. 
All right. Proverbs 27, 17 says iron sharpeneth iron. So one man sharpeneth the countenance of his friend just by virtue of being there. You can sharpen your friend. The other thing is, of course, the ability to share Bible verses and the ability to learn from each other and grow and become a better disciple, a better Christian, a better warrior in this fight against evil. We need to show actual love for each other, understanding that we are Christians together in a war and we are called to a higher purpose to fulfill the kingdom of Christ, the kingdom of God. And there's lots of ways to do that as far as witnessing to people, discipling people, showing God's love to the world, being a light on a hill, spreading truth, showing people that you can have the joy of God, the peace of God that passes all understanding, right? There's so many aspects to this in how we fight a war as opposed to uh, a physical war where you just kill the enemy. But you have to understand that the enemy, Satan and his demons, and many unsaved people who are in positions to harm you, they do not want you to survive as a Christian, as a human being. They do not want your influence to draw other people to heaven, to God. Your higher purpose is to defeat evil with love and to help God and the angels and fellow Christians stand for what is right and to win the war. So I'm just going to read these articles again from the Marine Corps Code of Conduct for the prisoners of war. And, and I want you to understand that we are occupying, actually we're not occupying, we're living in occupied territory. On this earth, the God of this world is the devil. We're like spies roaming around his country, his earth, trying to spread the truth, trying to bring freedom to people so they don't have to go to hell, trying to get people out of the bondage of sin and the devil. We are fighting a war and we need to understand that it takes commitment. And that means helping your fellow Christian, right? So article one says, I'm an American fighting the forces which guard my country and our way of life. I am prepared to give my life in their defense. Have we ever thought about giving our life for God? In the event that we are required to say, yes, I'm a Christian. Are we ready to give our life for God. Article two, I will never surrender of my own free will. If in command, I will never surrender the members of my command while they still have the means to resist. The Bible talks about resisting the devil. We must always resist. We are warriors. We must be trained to fight and we must always fight. Article three, if I am captured, I will continue to resist by all means available. I will make every effort to escape and aid others to escape. I will accept neither parole nor special favors from the enemy. No compromise with evil, ever. Article 4, if I become a prisoner of war, I will keep faith with my fellow prisoners. Think Christians, right? I will give no information or take part in any action which might be harmful to my comrades. Why would you harm your fellow Christian? If I am senior, I will take command. If not, I will obey the lawful orders of those appointed over me, and I will back them in every way. Do we follow the pastors and the elders of the church? Do we actually bend over backwards to make sure not to harm a fellow believer? Do we have any sort of honor and integrity when it comes to the fellow Christians around us? 
Article 5. When questioned, should I become a prisoner of war? I am required to give my name, rank, service number, date of birth. I will evade answering further questions to the utmost of my ability. I will make no oral or written statements disloyal to my country and its allies or harmful to their cause. Are we a good testimony to the world? Do we represent Christ? Do we do anything that is harmful to the cause of Christ? I mean, yeah, we do. We do. But that should that should hurt us. That that should harm our conscience. That should make us wake up and be like, whoa, what did I just do? Article 6, I will never forget that I'm an American fighting for freedom, responsible for my actions, and dedicated to the principles which made my country free. I will trust in my God and the United States of America. Do we trust in God? Are we dedicated? Have we forgotten the cross and what he did for us? Do we actually live like a prisoner in this world, knowing that my God in the United States of America is coming to save me? Do we understand that Jesus is coming back for us one day? Do we live with that hope? Do we trust him that he has saved us and he's going to come back for us? And do we stay loyal to him knowing that that's happening? So in conclusion, I wanted to share a story about my dad. My father's about 75 years old. Uh, He had a couple of trees, three trees fall down in his backyard. And he was out there with a chainsaw, cutting them up and taking care of them, pulling them out of his yard and loading them up on a trailer and getting rid of it all by himself, right? Now, he lives in Indiana. I live in Texas. So I called his son-in-law, who is a pastor of a church within like 20 miles from where he lives. I called twice, explained the situation, said, look, this guy is old, okay? He's, he shouldn't have to do it by himself. You guys are a church close by, not to mention you're related to him. Can you please go help him out? find someone in the church that can help him out, do something to offer assistance to this older man who's out there trying to clean his yard from a storm. No response. Not a phone call, not a text. The only help my dad got was from a neighbor who saw what he was doing and lended him his uh, trailer to put all the branches and stuff on to take it to the, the dump, I guess. But no help from the church, no help from a fellow Christian. That's not right. So do you have an esprit de corps? Do you have a feeling of pride in fellow Christians, in your church, in your cause to win the world for Christ through love? Do you have fellowship with fellow Christians? Do you have a common loyalty shared by members of a particular group? Take the lessons I learned from the Marine Corps. Realize that you are Christians in a literal war and help each other win that war. Help each other out. Don't leave a man behind. Don't leave a brother behind. Don't leave a sister behind. Have that esprit de corps with your fellow Christians. I'll leave you with this verse. 1 Peter 2.17 Honor all men. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. And honor the king. Until next time, God bless you. <laughs>